Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. And so this week, we are talking about choosing wisely. Jesus tells us how to enter the kingdom. So we are in Matthew chapter 7, and I just... As I was thinking about this week, I I couldn't help but think about an important season in my life. It was a time where I went on this crazy thing called a mission trip, had no clue what a mission trip was. How many of you have been on a mission trip? Anybody? Okay, so y'all know what it is. If you don't know, a mission trip is where you go somewhere else that's not where you currently live. You go on a trip to accomplish God's mission of telling the world about Jesus or showing the world what Jesus is like. So you might go to, let's say, uh, to Montana and you might minister on a Native American reservation there doing a soccer camp for kids. And, or you might go to Boston and facilitate a vacation Bible school. Or you might go to Atlanta to serve at a soup kitchen or homeless shelter. All kinds of variety of things. So um, I took the Atlanta route. I got invited to go on a mission trip. Just as a warm body, they were low on chaperones. And I said yes. And I was a very religious Catholic boy who had been in church a long time, but had never really given his life and heart to Jesus. And on an air mattress on a dirty gymnasium floor that week on a mission trip, I knelt down and told God I was tired of playing religious games and gave my life to Christ. And right after that trip, I came home and I had a decision to make because I just recently gave my life to Christ. I mean, everything changed at that moment because I said, Jesus, I surrendered all to you. And I'd been experiencing the necessity of that for a while, like that I I needed to do that. But now that it was real, now that I'd made that choice, what was I going to give up? What, What was different now? And I looked at my life around me and all the choices I had made, and I went, this doesn't honor Jesus. I'm going to have to do something different now. And so I had repented in my heart, but now it was time to follow through and demonstrate that that repentance was genuine. And so the decision, the choice I'm talking about is the choice to load up all my things in a U-Haul truck and move to Kentucky. And I knew clearer than almost any other decision I made in my entire life that that was what I needed to do in that moment. But that also required me to drop out of school for a semester. And I'm not the drop out of school guy. Like, I'm just not, like, that's something I would never even entertain doing. But I needed to get out of that context that I was in. I'd put myself in a mess, friends. Um, I'll spare you all the details, but I was in a mess. I needed to leave. I needed to go help my mother out, who was living in Kentucky at the time. And I needed to figure out what this following Jesus stuff meant for my life. And so I arrived in Kentucky, lived with my grandparents for a little while, lived with my mom and my sister, kind of helping my mom pay the bills. I waited tables full time at a restaurant, wasn't in school. So I mean, I'd like night and day, day and night, I was serving and met a ton of people and God stirred in my heart. And that decision to move to Kentucky, that decision to load up all my things in that U-Haul truck and to um, not go to school for that semester while I reevaluated things led to my call to ministry. Just a couple months later, God called me powerfully into ministry. said, you're going to be a pastor. And I had no clue what that even meant. To be a ministry to me growing up Catholic meant that you put on a robe and you live at the church and you eat beans and rice and you don't have kids. Like that was what I thought ministry was going to look like. I thought I was going to be a monk. And it was like, no, no you're going to be a pastor. You're actually going to be a Baptist pastor, which is even crazier for a, a boy that grows up Catholic. It, the, the last thing that you would expect is that you would be a Southern Baptist pastor. Um, but here I am. And it's because... 
God was working in my life at that moment and the dominoes started falling. That's also how I met my wife through moving away and I'd come back to visit Augusta and I got introduced to her in a fresh new way. And it would only happen that way if I'd have left. It was just the dominoes. They were falling. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Have you ever made a decision? Can you think back right now? Maybe it's one decision, maybe it's a few, but where you really did have a fork or you, or you had a five-pronged fork. You know, you had several different directions you could have gone. Maybe it was a breadbasket of options, but you chose the one that God used, that God led you to. And because you did that, your life is different now. And so we see those moments and Jesus is saying that at this point in the sermon, he's wrapping up his sermon. He's calling his listeners to make key decisions that will not only affect the here and now, that will not only affect tomorrow and next month, but will affect their eternity. And so what does he say in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14? Well, let's look at our first key truth for today. Jesus calls us to choose wisely. We said that. And here it is. Here's the wise choice. The narrow gate the narrow gate over the what? What other gate is there? A wide one, right? So that's point number one, the narrow gate over the wide gate. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. Let's read these together. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, or your translation in your lap may say narrow door, as you've heard it. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Okay, so this, what is Jesus talking about here? Well, you know, this past week on Monday, I took my oldest son camping. It was so cool because I've never really been camping. I mean, I've been camping in a camper before. I'm sorry for those of you that have campers. Um, that is really camping, but it's a little different than maybe what we would call old school camping or rustic camping. The, it, the camper affords you some amenities that, that are, that are kind of nice to have. And these days, most everyone goes with a camper. You usually don't see it. <laughs> I guarantee you, we were the only ones out there with a tent. It was camper, 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 camper. And then me and my almost 10 year old son in a, a very small tent together. That we, uh, that we did end up putting together, and it did stay up the entire night. So I just want to report that in. Uh, first time I've ever set up a tent, ever. Everybody said, really? Wow. Yeah, ever. Uh, first time I'd ever tied a fisherman's knot, and it actually worked and stayed on there, <laughs> mostly. Um, and, uh, you know, waders, like those little metal balls that go on the, uh, on the fishing line. Like, I learned what all that was, okay? I watched a lot of YouTube videos before we went. And just, you know, they say, fake it till you make it sometimes. And that's what I did. And to my nine-year-old son, I, man, I was an expert, you know, it's like, wow, dad, how'd you learn all this stuff? I'm just, you know, I'm just that smart. No, I've just, <laughs> just fake it till you make it. Anyway, we had a blast. But one of the things we did was we played chess. My son had also never played chess. My oldest son, Asher, um, well, he thought he had, he said, dad, I, I played chess at school. And I was like, really? And I was like, well, what do all the pieces do? You know, every piece in chess has a different assignment. The rook, all the way up, all the way to the side. The, the knight, L-shape, right? Some of you are having a little crash course in chess right now, so I'm giving it to him. I'm, and, you know, we're, we're, we're arguing over what pieces can do and can't do and all that kind of stuff. But what I taught him about chess, this is the one thing that I had learned a while ago, and I had played chess as a kid. I said, son, your first move in chess is super important. Or as the chess wizards call it, opening moves. And one of the most popular opening moves 
is the king's pawn going up a couple spaces because what you do, if you make that choice to move the king's pawn, the one in front of the king, you know, with the cross right there, if you move that pawn up two spaces, you open up so many more opportunities for yourself. You, open, you, you, you secure the center of the board and you open up many more possibilities. Jesus' Jesus' instruction to enter through the narrow gate is no different. In fact, it's even more. It's to the nth. It's to infinity is be, to infinity is, and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say. Different because, but but the same principle. Because Jesus says, if you enter through this narrow gate, everything else changes. It opens up so many more possibilities, and the possibilities that God has for you. And so, here's here's what we learn about these gates and these roads. Jesus, first of all, he. He tells us to enter. Enter is something you should do now. Jesus is calling them to action. Jesus didn't say, think about it. He's like, no, do it because this is what's best for you. And God loves us enough, friends. He loves us enough to tell us what's best for us. That's why we read his word. That's why we look at what Jesus said because the things he's telling us, he's not going to leave you high and dry. He cares deeply for you. He loves you and he wants what's best for you. And so he says, enter through that narrow gate, but he tells us more about the wide gate first. So let's look at this. The wide gate, there's a few things about it. Number one, the wide gate is loose living. Loose living. There are few rules. The wide gate is broad in ideology. It's very open-minded. There's plenty of room for, for swerving and going all over the place. It allows for you to really go wherever you'd like on a very wide road. And not only that, but many choose it. Many choose this road, this wide road, because ever since the Garden of Eden, we have this problem called sin and a rebellious heart. We're inclined towards doing our own thing. God tells us what's best for us, and we behave just like we did as small children. Nobody had to teach you or I how to do this. We say, no thanks, mom and dad. I got it. I got some things figured out. Those of you that have young kids or have raised young kids, you guys know what I'm talking about. You're trying to tell them not to play in the road. You're trying to tell them if they do play in the road, you've got to watch out for cars. You've got to do all these things. Dad, I got it. I'm good. And then they become teenagers, right? And then there's like a whole new level, parents of teens. I was in youth ministry for a long time, and I'm friends with enough parents with teenagers and was a teenager once uh, to know that there's a whole new level of expert that your kid becomes. And they go, no thanks, mom and dad, I got it. And so this is what the wide road looks like for us spiritually. Many choose this road. It's easy, it's convenient, it's popular. It's the path of least resistance. It might be the path of least resistance, but it's the one filled with the most pain and the most, and the most uh, uh, hopelessness. And Jesus says, ultimately, it leads to death. For the wages of sin is death. Remember that verse from Romans chapter 6? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so, what about this other road that Jesus suggests? He says, enter through the narrow gate and the narrow road. Now, this isn't loose living here. This is sacrificial living. You got to give up a lot to go on this road. This road does not afford you a whole lot of creative options. You're either on the path or really you're very quickly off the path. You don't have as much wiggle room. There are, there, there, there are strict principles on this road. And at our core, every one of us in the room, we don't love strict principles. 
If your heart has not been redeemed by Jesus, and even if it has, we still struggle with the flesh sometimes, right? And we don't always love that, that, that authoritative narrowness of God's road and what God's word carves out for us. Firm principles built on what's true and God's plan for his children, his creation. And Jesus says, how many people find this road? Very few, very few find it because the wide one is so much more available. So, so many more people are on it. Sometimes we just take the wide road because it's just the road everybody else is on. And we just give in to peer pressure. We just give in to what everybody else is doing. We don't want to be the weird one. We don't, we don't want to endure the hardships of the narrow road. Now, just because we said the narrow road is the right road, it doesn't make it easy. In fact, it's very difficult. Few find it. But this road leads to life. And this road, this hard, difficult path leads to not just, not just life, like we would call the life that we're living right now. There's two words for life in the Greek. There's bios, that means just living, like you're alive. And then zoe. Zoe is the other Greek word. Zoe means a spiritual life. It means the life that goes beyond this life you're living right now. Because one day your physical life will come to an end. But your soul will go on. And your soul is really who you are, by the way. Your soul is really who you are. It's not necessarily your, your brain or, you know, the different things that we think of that make a person, you know, it's even beyond your personality, whether you're introverted or extroverted or any of that. That doesn't really make you who you are at the end of the day. It's your soul. And that's why Jesus is so emphatic about feeding your soul because your soul is what's going to go on. And so we have the two roads laid out for us. One is very hard, very narrow. The other is very easy and very wide. And Jesus says, guys, you got to enter through the narrow road. Why? Because it leads to life. And so here's the test. Here's the test to know which road you're on. Because if you're a Christian in the room, you probably say, well, I'm on the narrow road. I'm good to go. Well, let me ask you a question this morning because this is, this is one of those challenging sermons. This is not going to be one of those feel-good ones, okay? Um, I'm going I'm to hopefully be able to encourage you this, this morning in some ways. And Jesus is always like has the perfect seasoning of challenge and encouragement. He knows how to masterfully do that. And I'm going to try to just communicate his words clearly to you. The first test question is this, and ask this to your heart this morning. If you call yourself a Christian in the room, did your profession of faith cost you anything? Do you remember what I told you about my story in the beginning? How when I gave my life to Christ, I got back from Atlanta and I realized like everything's different now. Like I can't live where I was living anymore. I, like my stuff's got to come out of that house. I can't marry the person I thought I was going to marry anymore. That's got to be over. I can't live in the place I'm living anymore. It's gotta be, maybe it didn't look exactly like that, but I'm just telling you, like, did that, or I'm just asking you, is that moment, did that moment when you gave your life to Christ, did, did, it, did, did anything have to change about the way you were living? Because I, I talk to a lot of people about their faith. I love talking to people about their faith journey, spiritual journey. And what I hear a lot in a lot of testimonies is I made a decision for Christ but nothing really changed. Or here's how it shows up. I'll be training people to share their testimony. And they'll say, well, I became a Christian here. And yeah, I've just been kind of, you know, doing the church thing ever since. And nothing really ever changed. Like they struggle with like how their life changed after Christ. And so my question in a not judgmental way or in a non, non uh, I'm not trying to be mean spirited, but just ask an honest question. If, if nothing changed after you followed Jesus, 
that's kind of, it's kind of a red flag because the Bible says things are going to change. It's the whole repentance thing. It means you were going that way and you turn around and you head this way and then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, Romans 8. And if you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's sanctifying you. That's a big fancy word. It means to look more like Jesus. So he's like pruning you. I mean, shaving off and breaking off the dead branches and throwing them away and like a sculpture, how, how the artist, as it said, takes away everything that's not the art. So the sculptor is sculpting away and chiseling you. Like that's what God's doing if you belong to Jesus. And so that's that first convicting question for all of us this morning. Did your profession of faith cost you anything? The second one is what ended as your new life in Christ began? What came to an end? Is there something still in your life that needs to come to an end? Because that happens sometimes too. We decide to follow Jesus and we leave some things alone that really needed to be dealt with. And today's a perfect day to deal with that. This is a perfect place to say, yeah, I didn't end it when I started following Jesus, but I'm going to end it today. I'm walking away from that. The sin that I've been nursing in my life, I'm, I'm done with it. And you, and you can do that this day. We can help you with that. And then lastly, what changed in your life as a result of the following Jesus? So I want you to think about those things. That's just my challenge to you today. It's a, it's a test for us all. So we got the narrow road and the wide road. But what else? What else did Jesus say? Well, the second truth is this, that we, we choose wisely and we choose what do, we, what do we have here? We choose the good fruit over the bad fruit. And you guys have heard this talk about fruit before in the Bible, right? But let's read what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is going to challenge us. He's going to actually warn us. This is another warning passage. We had one of those a few weeks ago. Jesus is going to warn us about being on guard against false prophets. And so let's just go through this real quick. Let's read verse 15. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. So the first thing you can write down this morning is that false teachers are fake. False teachers are, are fake. Or if you want to write down phony, that's a, good, that's a good word for it as well. False teachers are fake. They, they, they present themselves as one thing, but they're actually another. And this also, just, just speaking from my pastor heart this morning to you guys, because the Bible says, if I'm the pastor of Anchor Church, then I'm supposed to shepherd you like a shepherd would shepherd a flock. So I'm supposed to watch out and care for the sheep, right? And so that means I care deeply about who you listen to <laughs> and who you read. Um, I'm going to get up here every week and preach the Bible, spoiler alert. I'm going to do the best I can. I know I'm not the best preacher in the world, not even close, but I hope to be clear each and every week. I hope to feed you uh, sometimes milk, sometimes meat, whatever the diet demands for us just going through scripture together and to contribute to your life in that way, to build you up, to disciple you in this setting. But I know good and well in 2023 that you have YouTube and you have your podcasts and you probably do listen to some other people from some other churches. You probably do read some other authors and you have a, a Christian influencer that you follow on Instagram and you have these, you know, these different kind of things, these different influences in our life. And I like the things that, that keep me up at night and the things that I care about um, Monday to Sunday, I mean, every single day of the week is who are my people listening to? And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, some of the most popular people in our culture today, some of the most popular teachers out there that books are flying off the shelves, their books are in every airport snack shop, they're, they're, they're all over the place. 
they're not teaching the truth, friends. So we need to devote a whole nother Sunday to really spending a full message on this. It's, it's worth it. And we'll get into that as, as I preach some of Paul and Timothy and Thessalonians as, as Paul impacts that. What's Jesus really want us to know today? Well, first of all, just be on guard. And let me just give you a simple, practical thing. If who you're listening to does not match up with this book, there's a problem. Now, the first step in that is for you to know what this book says. And so that's why we've got to be in the word. It's not so you can win Bible trivia. It's not so you can look more spiritual than somebody else. Like, that's not it. I, I want every one of you to be in the word so bad because I, I know how much it's changed my life. Like, no spiritual discipline has changed my life. Like, getting in the word and applying it every single day and going, all right, God, I read that. What do you, what do you want me to do today? All right, I'm going to do my best to obey that. It's like reading God's word and doing what it says, absolutely life-changing. If that's not a rhythm for you yet, please, please, like, don't even worry about anything else that I've said. Like, just, just work on that. Read the Bible, do what it says. We're never going to hit seven out of seven every single week. I understand that. Things, things happen. If you, if you miss some time, just pick it back up the next day. Don't, don't, don't hang your head and get all down on yourself. But just know how, how impactful that is. That's, that's, that's the most important way to know who's fake and who's not. Okay, the second thing false teachers are, they're fatal. This is why it's such a big deal. It's why I care so much because listening to false teaching, believing fake shepherds, fake teachers, people who are not preaching the word, it's absolutely fatal. So, so how does Jesus tell us we're gonna recognize him? I, I told you by the word, but let's, let's look at specifically what Jesus says. He says, you'll recognize them by their what? By their fruit. So what is fruit? Well, Fruit, as we typically talk about it, is how their life is lived out. Now, it's kind of hard when you got a Bible teacher that lives in San Francisco that you have their uh, book on your shelf. You don't know them personally. You don't, you don't know how they manage their finances. You don't know if they're actually witnessing to people or not. You don't know if they actually have a private devotional life. You don't know anything about their personal life. You just know the content that you have in front of you. And so the first way, Jesus means the way we live our life, but he's also talking about the fruit of their teaching like the integrity of the teaching. And we care about the integrity of the fruit we eat with our, in our bodies, right? You care about where, you, where, you, where your fruit at the grocery store comes from? I mean, maybe not sometimes. It comes from, I, mean, I don't know if we really know what the sticker says on the apple, but we would care if it was bad, right? Or if it was rotten, we would never want to put any of that into our body. So he says you recognize them by, the, by their fruit. And then he asks this question. Jesus asks, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And the rhetorical answer is, no. 17, in the same way, every tree produces, or sorry, every, every tree, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Did you hear that? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. It's impossible. Why? Because they're rooted, a good tree is rooted in Christ. Colossians talks about that. Let us be rooted. Let our love grow down and be rooted in the gospel, rooted in who Jesus is, rooted in a changed life, rooted in God's word, in the truth and love of his word. That is how you get a good tree that has the right roots in the right root system, getting nourished from the right source. And, but he adds this, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then that's a promise. That's, that's not a threat from Jesus. This is a promise. He says that 
If there is bad fruit, if there is someone that is not producing good fruit, that that will be dealt with because that is a result of sin and God is a just God and he deals with sin. And he especially deals with false teachers. There's a lot of Bible verses we could share this morning about God, God caring about you and I so much and that we're actually getting fed the truth that he's going to punish those that teach false, that, that teach falsely, that produce bad fruit, give bad fruit to others and try to sell it as good. So not only are false teachers fake, not only are they fatal, but they will eventually fall. They will eventually fall. God will deal even more harshly with those who teach the word. James chapter three says that very thing. Not all of you should presume to teach for those who teach will be held to an even higher standard before the Lord. That's why I take this so seriously every Sunday. That's why I spend so many hours per week preparing and making sure that what I'm communicating to you is actually what God is saying and not just what I think. I'm not up here, like I say sometimes, I'm not up here to give a TED talk of just what Brandon thinks or try to be cute or clever. I just want to make his word clear to you because I believe the word does the work. I believe that's why Bible preaching is so important because as this word is preached, his word does the work inside of you. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and and in my heart, by the way. (laughs) It, It does that the whole entire week before I even ever get up here. And so false teachers, Jesus says, beware of them. But then lastly, his last, his last choose wisely for today. And we're going to camp out on this until we close in a few minutes. False teachers, I'm sorry, not false teachers. Let me direct your eyes a little further down, Brandon. Number three, we're, we're going to choose wisely. And here's the last choice, a genuine confession over a false profession. These are some of the scariest verses in the Bible. I come back to these verses again and again with with um, honestly with different Christians that encounter this in Matthew. And usually when we get to these words, we go, uh-oh, because we realize how serious these words are in 21 through 23. So let's just read this together. Verses 21 through 23. Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. This verse is loaded. We have to, we have to not miss a single thing. We're, we're going to turn over each stone very quickly. Jesus is saying that there are people who call him Lord that are not genuinely saved. Jesus is saying that there are people that say, I'm a Christian, but they really do not know Jesus the way they think they know Jesus. And that may be some of us in the room today, that maybe you would say, oh no, I know Jesus. Like you don't, you don't understand. I've been in, I've been in church a long time. I, and, and we're going to see what, what these people in this verse were saying. We're going we're gonna to see that. But, uh, you know, this, there, there are many who say Jesus is our Lord, but the life they live is not surrendered to him. Who are the ones that are truly saved? Only the ones who do the will of the Father. Now, hold a, hold a second. Is Jesus saying, is he really, it sounds like for a second he's saying that it's about works, right? I mean, if we just look at that, we go, okay, well, it's about doing the will of the Father. That's, that, that, that's what makes you right before God. We've got to be careful with that because that's not what he's saying. Let me be very clear. <laughs> we don't believe in works salvation. But Jesus is going to unpack this. He's saying that there are many who say Jesus is their Lord, but the proof is in what is done. 
the validity of your confession that Jesus is Lord is in the obedience. And we're going to get there in a second. But this looks like lip service. How many, how many of you have ever worked at a place? Just think about your, your work history, your employment history. You've worked somewhere where the boss comes in and they lay out, let's just say we're having a meeting right now, right? Let's say, let's say you all work at Chili's right now, okay? And we're here and I'm the, I'm the store manager and I'm coming in. I'm training you guys today. All right, servers, listen up. We're going to talk about what you should do when you go to a table. Things to say, things not to say. We're doing practical training together, okay? And you're taking good notes and all that. And you hear it. And we're done with the meeting. And now all of you are going to go back to your shift and you're going to do your, your work. And they hear what the boss says, but then come the eye rolls. And then come the, oh, man, I know, I know he said that, but I mean, I ain't, I ain't doing that. Nope, I ain't doing that. Nope, I'm not. I'm not going to do all that extra stuff. Have you, guys, have you guys seen this at work before? Like policies and procedures come into place? I mean, I have a feeling no matter where you work, you see this probably on a daily basis where there are policies and procedures that people just roll their eyes at and go, I'm not doing that. If we're really honest, sometimes we're those people that don't always do that, okay? And we should pray about that. We should, we should, we should follow the rules. Um, this is called lip service. And we've either done it or we've seen it done where people just do what they want. No, no compliance with the standards. And this is what nominal Christianity looks like. Nominal Christianity is a fancy way to say Christian in name only. It is killing our churches. Our pews in America, especially in America, which by the way, we're the number one country uh, where missionaries are being sent to worldwide, by the way. Like we're that country. And America is one of the only, sorry, North, North America, our continent, which you know, mainly includes U.S. and Canada, we're the only continent where the gospel is not growing. Every other continent, people are coming to Christ like crazy. And people are sending their missionaries here. Why? Because now we have really been entertaining for decades now nominal Christianity. And especially in 2023, when you can identify as a piece of toast if you want to, or cat or whatever else, and people have to treat you like a piece of toast or a cat or whatever you say you are. And so if you identify as a Christian, okay, well, who am I to say that you're not? And that, and we've, we've, we've coddled that in the church for a long time, but Jesus didn't. Do we see that this morning? Jesus did not coddle that kind of mindset. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will answer, but only those who do the will of the Father. And what did he say in verse 22? Let's look at this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? Look at what these people did. Anybody here ever, ever performed a miracle? Right? Anybody drive out any demons this week? Me, me neither. Prophesy in your name, okay? You know, we're teaching what's true about God. You know, prof, you know, prophetic work is like, okay, God says this. Here it is. Okay, we see a little more of that. Maybe you've taught a Bible study before. Maybe, um, so what I'm doing right now, there's a, there's a prophetic element in this right now. I'm just going, this is like, thus saith the Lord. Here's, here's, here's what Jesus says. They did all that stuff. They did good things and they expected that they were good with Jesus. 
they didn't appeal to their relationship. Did, did you catch that in 22? They didn't, they didn't say, but Lord, we know you. We love you. We serve you. My heart belongs to you. They said, Lord, look at what I've done. Look at all the things I've done. Guys, our, our salvation and our security and our salvation is not built on the things we've done. And praise God that it's not built on what we've done. It is built on what Christ has done. That is the gospel. If there's any other gospel that you hear, it is a false gospel. Our salvation is in Christ alone and what he has done alone. And again, our works are the evidence of our love for Jesus. Jesus said in John 14 himself, he says in John 14, 15, if you love me, then you will obey me. Obedience flows out of love, not out of any other place. And so you can participate in the work and mission of God and it not flow from a place of true faith. And my invitation to you this morning is to let everything you do for God flow from a genuine love for God and a genuine relationship with him. But on that day, on that day of judgment, many, many are going to be really surprised. And friend, if you're sitting here this morning, I don't want that to be you. I don't want you to, I don't want you to ever hear that on judgment day. That wrecks me to think that, that that would be said to any one of us. And you might be having a uh-oh moment in your heart right now, like, dang, I don't want to hear that either. Well, how do we make sure that doesn't happen? It's simple. Give your life and heart to Jesus today. Repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in what he did for you on the cross. Trust, trust in what he did and not what you are doing. But place your faith in what he has done. Believe upon him as your Lord and your Savior. How do, how do I know if it's genuine? You will see that it's genuine by the fruit that comes out in your life. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean any of us are batting a thousand on anything that Jesus asks us to do. But you will see, God, you will notice the changes. As we read his word, as we put it into action, as we get more involved at church and, and, and get plugged into groups and, and put, our, put ourselves in environments where we can grow spiritually and we, and we come and hear uh, biblical preaching of the word and we're living it out. Guys, if you do that over a period of time, you will see the Holy Spirit work in your life. And if you're not seeing him work in your life right now, there's some kind of barrier there that's preventing that. And that barrier could be that there's just never been that genuine profession of faith in your life. And so you've got to just have an honest moment with God this morning and just ask yourself, man, is this, is this me? And if it is you, friend, let's fix that today. Let's get things right with God. That's not a decision I could ever make for you, but a decision that I hope and pray to God that you would make because it's, 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 it's the best decision I've ever made in my life and it's the decision that I hope and pray that you would make because it is God's will for your life that you would know him and be saved and walk in the newness of life. That is, that, that, that is what he wants from you. Second Peter 3, 9, he desires that none should perish, but that all should repent. That is clearly in scripture, the desire of God. And so I want you to be able to read a passage like this. I'm spending extra time on it. I'm going a little bit longer this morning to make sure that this is clear. You don't have to read these three verses and have a panic mode moment. You don't, you don't have to be sick to your stomach when you read these verses. You can be burdened for others who, who might be in this situation, but I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Let's check our hearts this morning.
And if you need to give your life to Christ today, it's just very simple. Just pray to him. Cry out to him for salvation. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, then you will be saved. These are the promises of God's word, not things I'm making up. And so, as we close, we can do all sorts of things for God, but in our hearts not actually know him. We can live our life thinking we're saved and find out on judgment day we were wrong. So let's have a genuine faith that yields genuine obedience. That's my call to you today. A genuine faith that yields genuine obedience. A call to a living faith and real surrender to him. So let's talk to God for a moment. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We ask you to speak so clearly in this moment to every heart in the room. God, I would never want to even think for a second that I would manufacture any sort of decision in any person because of just merely my own words. And I trust that your Holy Spirit right now is working in this room. And I believe you're calling someone to give their life to you this morning. I do. Because I just trust your sovereignty, Lord, and I know that you bring people to churches all across America to hear the gospel each and every Sunday. And everyone in this room has an opportunity to believe upon you, Jesus. To, to, to go from a place of spiritual death to a place of spiritual life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help anyone in this room that doesn't have peace with you, God. You would help them see the sin that is in their heart and that they would walk away from it and repent. God, help them do that in this moment. Just to say to you, Lord, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. I'm repenting right now. And I'm going to place my faith and hope and trust in you. Lord, help those who need a relationship with you to trust in what you did on the cross for them, that you died for all of their sin, their sins to be forgiven and for them to be reconciled with you, for peace with you to be possible. Give them your peace this morning. Help them repent and believe. And may their life be transformed by the power of the gospel. Lord, help anyone in this room that needs to make that decision do that now. Lord, move others who just have questions. Maybe they're not ready to make a decision like that today, but they have questions, but they have, they have struggles, that maybe barriers that are keeping them from that. And Lord, move them to grab that Connect card at some point before they leave today and check, I need to meet with a pastor. I, I need to meet with someone and just have a heart-to-heart over some coffee and let's just, Lord, help us to help them in their spiritual journey. And God, for others in the room who are following you, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and challenge them in their faith this morning, God. That you would help us remember that we are on a narrow road and that narrow road is hard. It was hard when the church started and it's hard now. It's full of trials and suffering and pain, but we are not alone. For you are here with us. As we sing this song, Lord, we just acknowledge our need for you again, just like last week. And we, we cry out the words, I'm not enough unless you come. So would you meet us here now, Lord, and minister to us in this moment, in this place. We know that you are here with us through your spirit, the presence, the power, the teaching of your word. And we know that your word is doing the work in this place. We trust you, Lord. 
We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand together? We're going to sing together. We're going to respond to the truth that we've heard. I just encourage you just to cry out to him. You, you may just want to kneel and pray. You may want to come up front and kneel and pray. That's fine. The front's open if you'd like to do that. Um, let's respond to him in this moment. Just give him our hearts. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.com.